Dear Father in heaven, blessed be thy holy name, O Lord, for your mercy and love and goodness towards us. Father, we want to fellowship with you again, and we ask, Lord, that you will be with us in the person of your Holy Spirit, and that you would edify us, teach us, direct us, educate us from your word. We want to be like you, and we ask that your words will be fulfilled where you said that you would take away our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. Do that for us now. Please put your words in my mouth that I may speak blessings to all who listen. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Hearkened not unto the voice of their father. First Samuel chapter 2, verse 25. Eli was priest and judge in Israel. He held the highest and most responsible positions among the people of God. As a man divinely chosen for the sacred duties of the priesthood and set over the land as the highest judicial authority, he was looked up to as an example and he wielded a great influence over the tribes of Israel. But although he had been appointed to govern the people, he did not rule his own household. Loving peace and ease, he did not exercise his authority to correct the evil habits and passions of his children. Rather than contend with them or punish them, he would submit to their will and give them their own way. Instead of regarding the education of his sons as one of the most important of his responsibilities, he treated the matter as of little consequence. The priest and judge of Israel had not been left in darkness as to the duty of restraining and governing the children that God had given to his care. But Eli shrank from this duty because it involved crossing the will of his sons and would make it necessary to punish and deny them. The curse of transgression was apparent in the corruption and evil that marked the course of his sons. They had no proper appreciation of the character of God or of the sacredness of his law. His service was to them a common thing. From childhood, they had been accustomed to the sanctuary and its service, but instead of becoming more reverent, they had lost all sense of its holiness and significance. The father had not corrected their want of reverence for his authority, had not checked their disrespect for the solemn services of the sanctuary, and when they reached manhood, they were full of the deadly fruits of skepticism and rebellion. There is no greater curse upon households than to allow the youth to have their own way. When parents regard every wish of their children and indulge them in what they know is not for their good, the children soon lose all respect for their parents, all regard for the authority of God or man, 
and are led captive at the will of Satan. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is A Dangerous Example and it's focusing on Eli and his sons Hophni and Phinehas. Reading from 1 Samuel chapter 2, we are told from verse 12, Now the sons of Eli were sons of Bileal. They knew not the Lord, and the, and the priest's custom with the people was that when any man offered sacrifice, the priest's servant came, while the flesh was in seething with a flesh hook of three teeth in his hand, and he struck it into the pan, or kettle, or cauldron, or pot, all that the flesh hook brought up, the priest took for himself. So they did in Shiloh unto all the Israelites that came thither. Also before the burnt the fat, the priest's servant came, and said to the man that sacrificed, Give flesh to roast for the priest, for he will not have sudden flesh of thee, but raw. And if any man said unto him, Let him not fail to burn the fat presently, and then take as much as thy soul desireth, then he would answer, Nay, but thou shalt thou shalt give it me now, and if not, I will take it by force. Wherefore, the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. But Samuel ministered before the Lord, being a child girded with a linen effort. Reading from 1 Samuel chapter 2 from verse 12 and downward it says, The sons of Eli were scoundrels. They paid no attention to the Lord or to the regulations concerning what the priests could demand from the people. Instead, when someone was offering a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come with a three-pronged fork. While the meat was still cooking, he would stick the fork into the cooking pot, and whatever the fork brought out belonged to the priest. All the Israelites who came to Shiloh to offer sacrifices were treated like this. In addition, even before the fat was taken off and burned, the priest's servant would come and say to the one offering the sacrifice, Give me some meat for the priests to roast. He would accept. He won't accept boiled meat from you, only raw meat. If the person answered, Let us do what is right and burn the fat first then take what you want. The priest's servant would say, No, give it to me now. If you don't, I will have to take it by force. This scene of the sons of Eli was extremely serious in the Lord's sight because they treated the offerings to the Lord with such disrespect. So, that is the beginning of what we hear concerning the sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas. But how did Eli's children become children who did not respect God like this? Because what we are seeing here is that they carried their bad character into the service of God to the point that they did not respect God and respect God's offering. But why was it so? They were just simply victims of bad parenting. Eli was the problem. When you read concerning Hophni and Phinehas, what you will not find is the Lord talking directly to Hophni and Phinehas as though they were their own problem. But what you will surely find is the Lord talking to Eli. Because the Lord understood that these boys were just victims of bad parenting. They wouldn't do what they did were they not permitted to do it since their babyhood by their father, Eli. We read concerning him that he loved peace and ease. 
he didn't exercise the authority to correct the evil habits and passions of his children. Instead of punishing them, he would just submit himself to whatever his children were requesting for. Then the real problem was this that he did with this was that he didn't even see the education of his children as something that was important. And even when he did see where he was supposed to restrain them or punish them, to him those things were just duties that were too difficult to do. He couldn't get himself to inflict pain on his dear children. And this is a mistake that many parents are making today. There are many ways in which children show disrespect for God and they don't know any better. It is not their fault they are mere children. But that which you call a child today is going to grow up to be a man tomorrow. And that's why we should be careful how we look at them. For that which you excuse in the child today is going to be something that is obnoxious in the, in the man tomorrow. And this was where Eli had his problem. So what are the ways in which we can see a child disrespecting God and ensure that we don't let it continue? One of the ways is when they make noise in church. It shouldn't be looked at as a small thing. And it starts with your morning and evening devotions in the home if you have one because you should have one. When you have your morning devotions and evening devotions, you should be careful how you dress. There are parents who come to their morning devotions shirtless, some wearing even maybe shorts, bum shorts, the way they will not dress in the house of God. They dress like that in their organized morning devotion. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you cannot pray just to the Lord in whatever way you find yourself. But we are talking about organized service here in the home because every home is a church. When you are doing your devotions in the home, it is taken for granted. You see the father will come bare-chested. The mother will come just turning the wrapper here and there, everyone is just looking unkempt. Do I mean we should go and wear ties and suits and all that? No. But at least let there be some reverence for God. Do you not believe that God is there? Do you not pray before you start that devotion? You pray before you start devotion and you, you call God to come there, even if it's just for a short time, at least just cover yourself. And allow your daughters to dress properly. Allow your sons to dress properly also. When you come for the devotion, it will send in their minds a certain set of sense of reverence towards God, knowing that they are before a just and holy God. That is the beginning of teaching them to reverence God so that when they go to church, because they have been taught this in their homes, they would know that this is a way to conduct myself in the house of God. And what again? Turn your living room to the altar of the Lord. The living room should not be a place where messages for the devil are coming. You put on the TV, they are watching all kinds of evil there, and in that same living room, you switch it off, and then you do your, whole, your morning devotions and evening devotions there. Is that living room for the Lord, or is it for the devil? What kind of things are going on in your home? No time in your home should there be any evil thing going on. But more so, there should be a place dedicated for that devotion. If you have the luxury of it, of course. There are some people living in small houses. Does that mean that there is anywhere we should do evil in the house? No, there is nowhere evil should be going on in the house. But especially for those who, who can afford to have one. If you have a separate living room, make that living room your own church because the church starts in the home some people think that church is one building out there where they put a name of one denomination and when you go there you say i'm going to church every family is a church and it should be treated as such the father is the pastor of that church he is the one that is the priest of the home 
and he is to bring up the children in the way of God. And it will send a message of reverence towards the children when you treat the living room in such a manner. And you don't allow them to treat that living room with carelessness and with contempt. Just make sure that they are always behaving well around that place, knowing that it is a place you have set aside for a particular purpose. And like I keep saying, I know that we all have different uh, strengths financially and our homes and the setting is completely different. I'm saying it for those who can afford to do that. It will be a way to teach the lesson to the child of reverence. Then when they go to the church, it is important that parents, if they are staying in the same place with their children, some churches have places for children and places for parents, yes, for adults, if they are staying in the same place, sometimes you go for programs, which is not the organized church programs where they have something for the children. If you go for any church program, let your child sit by your side so that you can watch over them and control them. Don't let them move around, walking and walking and walking around and sometimes manifest their own uh, bad character there in, in crying, playing in the church and even sometimes we should be careful not to allow them to sleep unnecessarily. Some children have seen, they have come to see church as a place for sleeping. That's what they've seen church for. It's just a place that I go to sleep because they feel like they are not talking to me. No, you should teach your child to stay awake. As far as it's a program that is just short time, one hour, two hours, let the child stay awake. If it's something long, then I can understand. But if it is just something for a short time, let them stay awake through that time. Sleeping is not a sign of reverence before God. Making noise, playing, crying, those things are not reverence towards God. Reading from Selected Messages, Volume 3, page 257, paragraph 1, it says, The house of God is desecrated and the Sabbath violated by Sabbath believers' children. They run about the house, play, talk, and manifest their evil tempers in the very meetings where the saints have met together to glorify God and to worship Him in the beauty of holiness. The place that should be holy, where a holy stillness should reign, and where there should be perfect order, neatness and humility is made to be a perfect Babylon, and a place where confusion, disorder and untidiness reign. This is enough to shut out from our assemblies and cause his wrath, to shut out God from us, our assemblies and cause his wrath to be kindled, that he will not be pleased to go out with the armies of Israel to battle against our enemies. God will not give the victory in the meeting. The enemies of our faith triumphed. God was displeased. His anger is kindled that his house should be made like Babylon above everything. Take care of your children upon the Sabbath. Do not let them violate it, for you may just as well violate it yourself as to let your children do it. When you suffer your children to play upon the Sabbath, God looks upon you as a commandment breaker. You transgress his Sabbath. End of quote. Strong statements there, but nevertheless true. If the Lord held Eli responsible for the conduct of his children in the service of God's house, he will certainly hold parents responsible for the conduct of their children in his services today. Some parents think that their children are nothing more than playthings, toys and clowns to amuse their fond parents. 
They laugh at their exhibition of disrespect and irreverence instead of correcting them. They repeat the words the parents say, as the children repeat the words the parents say, and the parents themselves are so pleased their children are talking. But they forget that it's better their children were quiet than to say words that will be recorded against them in heaven to their own detriment and destruction. Not necessarily just in church, but even in the home. This parental negligence is a greater evil than whatever wrong the child does. Even when we are in the home, you should be careful what your child is saying. Sometimes the child hears you say something that is only you as a parent should say to them. Maybe you are telling them, keep quiet, and the child will repeat back to you, keep quiet. You should correct that child, let him know that he's not supposed to be or she's not supposed to be the one to tell you that because that is a manifestation of disrespect. And it shouldn't be something you laugh at, something you won't allow in an adult. Why should you allow it in a child? We're not saying you punish them, but just know that it is wrong and it shouldn't be permitted. If you cannot say that, okay, an adult can say this thing or do this thing, why then are you allowing the child to do it? As an adult, can they just come and pinch your face? Then why do you permit a child to, do, to pinch your face? Why do you permit a child to spit on you? Why do you permit a child to drag your clothes without respect? Do you allow an adult to do that? And as I'm saying this, some people are saying, what do you mean? They are children. Yes, I know they are children. All I'm saying is stop them from doing it because they don't know what they are doing. The more you permit them to do it to you, they will start doing it to people outside and they are growing and as they are growing, they will keep doing it. Nothing is going to stop them. They will continue to do it. So it's not something to laugh at. It's not something to look at and say, oh, they will grow it. No, we should correct them because they don't know what they are doing. And if we don't correct them, their sin is upon us. Reading from Child Guidance, page 288, paragraph 2, we are told, Wherever I go, I am pained by the neglect of proper home discipline and restraint. Little children are allowed to answer back, to manifest disrespect and impenitence using language that no child should ever be permitted to address to its superiors. Parents who permit the use of unbecoming language are more worthy of blame than their children. Impenitence should not be tolerated in a child, even once. But fathers and mothers, uncles and aunts and grandparents laugh at the exhibition of passion in the little creature of a year old. Its imperfect utterance of disrespect, its childish stubbornness are taught cunning. Thus, wrong habits are confirmed and the child grows up to be an object of dislike to all around him." End of quote. The problem now with many parents is can they even identify when a child of one year old is disrespecting them? Some don't even think that a one year old can disrespect them. Some do not even understand that there is that imperfect utterance in the child's mouth, though he's not saying it properly, but he's manifesting disrespect by the things that they are trying to say, though he's not properly being said. And they laugh at these things, all of them are charmed by the disrespect. But when that child grows older, they are going to hate the child for the thing he's doing. And what, was the, what is the character that Eli had that made him to allow his children to be like this? I will list them out. He loved peace. He didn't check their disrespect. He let them have their own way instead of punishing them. He submitted to them instead of contending with them. He gave them what he knew was not for their good. He didn't exercise his authority to correct their evil habits. Hophni and Phinehas were victims of parental neglect and parental abuse. Eli used them for his selfish gratification instead of training them for God. 
he loved peace, we read. What kind of peace is that that is secured at the expense of an insult to God? And this is why God was so offended with Eli. He could do something to stop this dishonor that God was getting and the disrespect, but he didn't love God enough or honor God enough to stop his children. He preferred to have peace than to stop his children from disrespecting and dishonoring God. And that's what was the gravity of Eli's sin. We should not allow children to continue in disrespect and irreverence towards man and towards God. And don't excuse these things saying, oh, he's just one year old, he's just two years old. And then when they are manifesting their stubbornness, you see a child requesting for something and because you didn't give it to them, they start to throw a tantrum. It should make you understand that this child is becoming disrespectful and you correct them. The worst thing you can do is because a child threw a tantrum, then you gave them what they wanted. You have, be- you have become the one who is submitting to the child. The child is now king over you instead of you to be king over the child. When you know that what you are withholding from the child is good, why are you giving it to them? Is it not evil for you to do that? Of course it is, but because maybe you are the type who loves peace like, er- like Eli. And then you do what you're not supposed to do. There are characters that are required for training children and one of them is firmness. Another is love. And love reveals itself by doing good, not by doing evil because somebody wanted evil to be done to them. Love does not rejoice in evil. And if a child is requesting evil for himself, it's not love that makes you give it to him, but selfishness. You want to gratify yourself, not even the child. Yes, you're gratifying the child, but you're actually gratifying yourself because you want to be at peace with the child and this is what we should avoid we must love the child enough to lead them to God so that they are not destroyed reading from ministry of healing page 380 paragraph 1 and 2 we are told the directions given concerning the Hebrew children teach us that nothing which affects the child's physical well-being is to be neglected nothing is unimportant every influence that affects the health of the body has its bearing upon mind and character. Too much importance cannot be placed upon the early training of children. The lessons learned, the habits formed during the years of infancy and childhood have more to do with the formation of the character and the direction of the life than have all the instruction and training of after years." End of quote. So when, what training, at what stage is the training of a child going to have an effect on his after years? The training in infancy it is not the case in the world today that many believe that the training of a child starts from his infancy and when we say infancy when he's not even a year a year old that child be just as soon as they are born should be trained and directed to do the things that are right do not look at the child this is the way you should look at things as a general rule what is sin is sin don't think that because it is a child then it's excused that doesn't mean either that you would re- react to what the child does as the way you do towards the adult does, towards what the adult does. But one thing we should set as a rule is what is not permitted in an adult should not be permitted in a child. And I've listed some of those things. But then the way we correct it is what matters. You know that the child doesn't know what he's doing, yes. But that shouldn't mean that you excuse it. What it means is that you should correct the child in tenderness, in love, knowing that this thing they are doing is wrong. Are they dragging your clothes? They don't know. Correct them. For some children, it's a recurring thing that even when they are, the, the mother is giving them suck, they bite her breasts. That child should be reproved for that. 
they understand and that's what some people don't understand they don't know that the child understands we have already learned that right from the womb they are already getting messages is it now when they are born that they cannot understand just that they cannot just because they cannot communicate doesn't mean they don't understand they may not be able to talk to you they may not be able to say anything to you they but they understand what you are telling them talk to them tell them the right things restrain them from doing the wrong things if you are not doing that then that is indeed what we call a dangerous example Eli set a dangerous example before the people by not reproving his children and correcting them and permitting them to eat to disrespect and dishonor God and they became more irreverent because of the way Eli brought them up like I said before and I'm saying again Hophni and Phinehas the sons of Eli were just victims of parental neglect they are people to be pitied they, are, they were only what they were because of their father Eli who didn't do what he was supposed to do with them had he done what he was supposed to do we'll be hearing a different story about Hophni and Phinehas and that tells us a great deal concerning what we see around us in the world today there are many children in many adults today incarcerated in prisons but why is it so because their parents let them be whatever they wanted to be and did not restrain them did not correct them when they were younger and that's one of the reasons we see a lot of crime going on in our world today the message for us today is that we shouldn't set a wrong example before our children and before the church Eli was a leader by not reproving and correcting his children it was a wrong example before the church of God and it came to a place where the people abhorred the sacrifice of God some of them would not even come to services anymore they would stay in their houses to do it but the worst kind of example that can be set like I've been saying now is when it is done by ministers and their children that is when it is even worse reading from signs of the times November 4 1881 we are told but great as are the evils of parental unfaithfulness under any circumstances they are tenfold greater when they exist in the family of those who stand in Christ's stead to instruct the people ministers of the gospel who fail to control their own households are by their wrong example misleading many they sanction the growth of evil instead of repressing it many who consider themselves excellent judges of what other children should be and what they should do are blind to the defects of their own sons and daughters such a lack of divine wisdom in those who profess to teach the word of god is working untold evil it tends to efface from the minds of the people the distinction between right and wrong purity and vice end of quote and that's exactly what happens today when it is the children of ministers and ministers themselves who are in this error it affects the minds of the people so that they cannot even know what is right and wrong and what is good and evil anymore that's why as for the way the lord treated Eli and addressed his case it's because of the gravity of the issue and the position which he held and also the effect of these things was to cause the people to for those who were at least heavenly minded and understood that this thing is a, a dishonor to God what is the point going to that place to make a sacrifice when I know that Hophni and Phinehas are only going to disrespect and dishonor God and we've not read that but even apart from this disrespecting of the sacrifices of the Lord that Hophni and Phinehas were doing they even were sleeping with women in the church this thing was a cause of righteous indignation to those who understood what it meant reading from signs of the times December 1 1881 it says as the men of Israel witnessed the corrupt course of the priests 
they thought it safer for their families not to come up to the appointed place of worship. Many went from Shiloh with their peace disturbed, their indignation aroused until they at last determined to offer their sacrifices themselves, concluding that this would be fully as acceptable to God as to sanction in any manner the abominations practiced in the sanctuary." End of quote. And indeed, they rightly did so. How can you know that I'm going to the sanctuary for the abominations that are going on there and just because it's called itself sanctuary, I'll still go there and perform the abomination that is going on with Hophni and Phineas. They decided to do it in their homes and they did that rightly. And these are the consequences of a bad example shown by parents by uh, ministers who are parents is a consequence of a bad example and we all should learn that when we show bad examples before the people it affects people it affects the mind and we show bad examples before the children it's going to be a huge uh, effect on them they, they, we make them victims of our own parental neglect but the Lord is calling us back today and helping us to understand these things so that we can correct ourselves in love the Lord is speaking to us parents the Lord is speaking to those who are would be parents so that we can make the right decisions correct ourselves wherein we were wrong as we are studying this conflict and courage remember Romans 15 verse 4 all these things were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope that we should avoid the mistakes they made and repeat the right things they did and get courage from their own character where it was good I pray that the Lord will help us to do that let us pray Dear Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for the lessons you have brought to our notice today. Please forgive us for showing a wrong example to our children and to the church and to the world in general. Please have mercy on us. Untold evils have been brought by this. We cannot tell the far-reaching effect of the bad examples we have set. Please have mercy and forgive us. Help us now, Lord, to make corrections in what we have done wrong, to diligently and earnestly do what is right, to bring the children in the way of the Lord and to live our own lives in harmony with your will. Thank you for hearing and answering our prayers. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen.